If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, everyone, to this Completely Unnecessary Podcast for, well, Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020, alongside Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contry. Uh, today in the show, we're going to be talking about uh, some some uh, video game and tech goodness. A new NES prototype was saved. Uh, Google Stadia uh, update about them the uh, going a little bit over their heads. The Atari RetroPie, not shocked. Uh, Patreon poll, uh, Q&A. Uh, real quick, we recorded something separate uh, from this uh, before. You can listen to it concerning uh, the protests the past week and uh, and the death of, of George Floyd. If you want to listen to that, we wanted to keep it separate from this. But, you know, you can listen to that if, if you like. It's a separate uh, a podcast. Ian, officially at... De- uh, Defcon two on the hair, mm. uh, week sixteen. Because now, Ian, it's now hitting my eyeball randomly when I'm walking around uh, the hair. That's how you know it's it's past due. Like, oh, something hit my eye. Oh, it was my hair that's hitting my my cornea and scratching it now. That's 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 where I'm at now with the hair, right now. <sighs> but businesses are st- are slowly reopening. I just don't know if like that's the, the one of the last things to be probably be, be reopened would be um. Someone like a foot from like your face cutting your hair. I have a friend, one of the longest running friends I've had. I've actually probably been friends with her longer than I've been friends with John by a short bit. John is, uh, um, for people who just listen to the C podcast, John is my co-host on the other podcast I do, um, Extra Napkins. Um, and she is a hairstylist in Austin, Texas. And she says that this has been like, since reopening has been some of the most stressful her job has ever been because she needs to make money, but she doesn't feel comfortable, you know, doing it yet she have like a, like a glass shield in front of her face i'm not i mean like i don't know exactly what her setup is but i'm assuming she's going all out in terms of her setup but she keeps getting all these questions from like customers like what are you doing to ensure that the customers are safe and that it's just it's infuriating like she's doing everything she can but it's if not, you if foolproof. you yeah it's not foolproof and if you're that concerned and stay home and don't get a haircut. Cut your own hair then. Yeah. Cut your own hair. It's it, You are going out to get a haircut, but which by definition is someone else touching you for half an hour to an hour. Like, what are you doing? You can't just pass all the responsibility off to someone else. Well, yeah. I, if you're going to go I, out, I mean, you're taking a risk. I did see something positive 
uh, from Golden Corral. Someone said the Golden Corral is now that we're open. Gross. Yes, it is. Uh, damn you, uh, Jay and Norm, for taking me to one, thinking I would like it. And even they admitted afterwards it wasn't good. I wanted to throw up. Anyway, never get an MS sponsor. But they're, they're now just dishing you out. Like, so you're not touching anything. Here you go. Here's your food. Like, that's a way around it, obviously, versus touching everything. Uh, uh, Frank told me, I, I don't know how Frank got the news, because since Frank right now is, 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 is camping in Arizona, the swap meet reopened the past weekend. I guess they qualified. And so when you think about the swap meet, you're not always on top of people at the swap meet, but you're touching everything. <laughs> so I guess, like, I, I'm curious to see who's going to go out to the swap meet. It's almost like, do you want to take the risk? Because there's probably a lot of people that have to make a quick buck that are going to sell some some goodies. So I'm like, oh, I want to see what's out there. But you better have, like, the pump of, of uh, antibacterial, like, literally going at every, at every moment. Because when you touch something... You know, 50 other people already touched that, you know, that object there. But, yeah. But that's yeah. where we're at right now. Yeah. I don't know. Sanitize. That's going to go out and do that sort of shopping. Sanitize, I suppose. Sanitize and wear a mask and, you know, get get those deals, I guess. So, um, so Sony postponed their PS5 event with, with everything uh, going on, which is the right move. It was yeah. the right move. You can't, it's kind of hard to have a sort of a joy. Hey! Hey, our new tech's out, you know, hey, and try to, like, not think that anything else is happening. Don't you know? pay attention to the riots, just pay attention to our new tech. But that's not what Sony did. Sony postponed it, um, and I think that was a very good idea. They want their uh, tech announcement to be uh, happy. Um, they don't want to overshadow anything important going on. And, I mean, from a purely cynical marketing standpoint, uh, it's not going to be good marketing for them. I mean, no one's going to notice. So yeah. uh, there's, I mean, all the reasons for them doing this are, you know, uh, like I said, some some more cynical than others, some not. I think it's a good idea that they uh, postponed it. Um, a lot of really shitty fucking gamers didn't, though. There there are gamers out there that some of them are shitty, really? Yeah. We haven't yeah. encountered that ever before. No, no, we've they're, never they're not, encountered that. They're, they're totally, I thought they were just totally selfless beings. Yeah. They're totally just... <laughs> um, yeah, I gotta say, it was very disappointing to, uh, you know, go and wait into the comments sections uh, on um, Twitter and Are you on, shocked, Ian? And on, uh, no, I'm not shocked. It was just it's fucking dis- disappointing. Um, people acting like, uh, you know, uh, it's very important that this is, you know, talked about when it was supposed to be talked about, um, saying that, you know, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what's going on in the world, saying that Sony needs to stay out of politics. Um, I, I want to know what these people do for a job so I can go tell them to stick to whatever the fuck it is they do for a job instead of politics, which I think is probably just shitting their pants in their mother's basement. <laughs> um, some of them, probably. Some of them. So, uh, yeah, this isn't all gamers, okay? Yeah, I get it. I'm just saying it's disappointing to see every single time well, that this happens. Well, our careers are already over for, like, you know, a good year and a half at least, so I don't... You know, our opinion doesn't matter anyway. But it's disgusting. Calm the fuck down. You'll get your PlayStation well, 5 information. Let's, yeah, even when there was world wars going on, th- there was still entertainment happening in countries. You know, you still had, like, movies come out in play. So, like, you're going to get your entertainment. This isn't as bad as World War II. Like, but, like, a company just wants to be a little sensitive. It's not, it's let not a bad thing. Let the world breathe for a week. Yeah, let us, let us be okay. Like, 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 things will come back to you. You know, you're still going to have stuff to do and... You know, it's it's not like this is going to come out for, like, six months anyway, this console, if you're able to get one, right? I mean, so I, I just thought that was that was just 
you're never shocked. People online obviously say things they never say in person. Like, I mean, come on. It's 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 like it's a meme now. I think there's actually a Twitter account that just reposts like what shitty gamers say. I think it's called like, Angry Gamer or something. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that? I've seen a couple of them. Yeah, it's hysterical because it's like you think they're a parody account that they're retweeting, but they're not. It's people think people think their hobby, their entertainment hobby, is the most important thing on the planet. I well, think it's funny. And then Evo, um, an organization that the, you know, the more I pay attention to, them, I, I I I like Evo and the people behind Evo seem to be pretty good. And Evo, you know, came out made a statement and you know a lot of companies are just making statements they're backing it up with money 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 donated here there and the next thing and a lot of the responses to evo doing that were good but there's still people in there who just if if anything makes them uncomfortable they don't want to hear about it they feel like they need to be in this bubble and that's just that's not how the world works like things don't stay separate sometimes food on the plate touches and things mix. I, I, I try to liken it to it because um, when people say, like, I don't like you guys talking about politics or what have you. Well, first of all... Then unfucking follow me. Well, yeah. Well, first of all... Stop like, listening. You have a choice. But it's like, well, I'm sh- a lot of times it's, well, it's politics you disagree with versus, yeah. well, that, that, versus that, that, not. That, that's they're always my thing. Keep politics out. You don't say that when they're politics uh, you agree with. In, in, in a small per- a minority of, of, of responses, responses defense, there probably are some that say, I don't want to hear any politics at all because I want to be in that bubble. Like, sure. I just want to be in this bubble for entertainment. But those are people that are uh, apolitical and don't, you know, they don't ever think about politics anyway. And I never understand how you can't think about politics at all since it affects your life. Like, I just don't understand how you don't keep track of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I just don't understand. Like, like, if there was like an alien invasion happening, and we'll just say the aliens were vaporizing everyone who was born on like a, a day of the month that was like three, six, or nine. We'll just say right. Mm-hmm. So you're wiping out like like 25 percent of the population. You expect us not to talk about something like that? Like, hey, Ian, we're not going to talk about something horrible happening that we think is bad. Like, like, I, is there a point that even someone to say don't talk about politics where you are allowed to talk about politics? Like. If, if there's like a nuclear bomb dropped on like uh like the state of Wyoming, are we allowed to talk about that or no? Like, where's that line for you, where things aren't? You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, is there a line at all? It's 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 weird. We're people, after all. Anyway, so and, and other people forget that though. I think is, is something we're that not just people that are here to dance. That as is puppets. also yeah. something that I've I've thought about a lot over the past few weeks. Not just the rioting and but but. You know, during the pandemic, too, uh, people forget other people are actually humans all the time. Well, they don't care, um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm glad that um, there, because there are some YouTubers that are just the, you know, they're like the brand. That's who, like, that's their who they portray themselves to be, but they're not actual people. I'm glad that I was able to, with your help, start the podcast where it's not just you know acting out skits and talking about like now I'm more of a person. Yeah, if I was still that. Like, it's hard to always be that and have your audience expect you to be that and then not be that anymore and then try to portray yourself as a real person. So, anyway, and it does get us in trouble sometimes, but who cares? Checks, checks, quest, Ian. Back in the mix. Get it? Checks, quest um, is. You get uh, it, Ian? Yes, I do. Back in in the mix. (laughs) I do love checks, mix. Do you really? I don't think I ever had it growing up. Fuck, it's delicious. My grandma used to make the best Chex Mix. Um, oh, you talking about when you put like the little pretzels in and the little spices? 
Yeah. Oh, I've actually had that. I've never had the cereal. I've had the actual. Oh, no, Chex. I'm talking about Chex Mix. Yeah. Oh, okay. Actual Chex Mix. Not the, fucking delicious. Not the, I never had the cereal. Okay. Um, I've had the cereal tea, but the mix, the mix is where it's at. Oh, all the things you can do with Chex. You ever have a Muddy Buddy? Those are delicious, uh. too. Those are Chex, um, and they're coated in melted chocolate and peanut butter, and then covered with powdered sugar. Oh my god! They're so fucking good. Is it just like globs? Like it's just globs of it. So it's melted. Like so it like it, it's crazy. Like it like it coats because of the waffle. Like it, it, it's oh, it's so good. But then they're crunchy and they're light on the inside. They're really fascinating. They're so good. Um, Chuck's Quest is uh, back in the news again. It's getting a release on, um, I believe, the Switch as well as maybe some other um, consoles. I know that. Limited Run Games did a... Uh, Damn it! My mushroom. Go on. A release of it, or a version of it. But, um... Chex Quest was a first-person shooter. Um, there you go. It was a first-person shooter that you could get in... Um, it's in a CD-ROM in the box, You could right? get it in boxes of cereal. Yeah. And it... The, the thing is, is it's... It's, it was actually a very well done It was game. a good clone. It was a good clone. Good and if clone. I remember correctly, it was actually done with the Doom engine. Yeah. It was just a complete and total conversion. You know, new yeah. graphics, new audio, new new everything. Basically, you're killing aliens. A, yeah, it's a, you know, a, a totally converted WAD file, essentially. Um, I actually couldn't remember if it was the Doom engine or the Build engine, which was uh, the Duke engine. But um, it looks like it was the Doom engine. Yeah, it is. Double-checked. So... Um, that's kind of cool and it you know people were just very fond of it um because it was one of those few like giveaways that was actually good worth a damn yeah like it it was totally free yeah and it was actually fun and well designed and you know like like i said based on the doom engine it's not like they're working with with garbage you know it's they're starting with a good engine so the game is getting a free hd remake that is coming out (laughs) Um, and they're putting it was like they're putting codes on checks mix bags. No CD ROM. They're gonna just put the, the you know codes to download it. Yeah, and actually, That's I think great. it may have. I think it. I think it may have come out. This, it may have come out longer ago than we would this care article? to than than we would care to admit. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's just fun to mention it because I was one of those people who definitely enjoyed it. Or you go to checksquest.com, It looks like you could. Uh, you can get it there. How how brilliant is that? I mean, look at the artwork. It can be a cartoon series. Look at that. Look how cute. We got a new trailer. You got Fred Chexter, Wheatney Chexworth, Dr. Orion, NACL 96. I don't know if that's an alien or not. Pretzel. That, that's an acronym for something. P-R-E-T-Z-L. And Shane the Dread McBread. Got to watch out for Shane the Dread. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. That's neat. Um, what else we got going on? This is a fun story about kids that want to become Spider-Man. Oh, God. Uh, so it's, it seems more and more when we, when we have these stories come with, with youngsters, I'm really starting to question not just uh, parenting, but more and more the educational system in, in, in the country. When you hear about a kid that tries to buy a Lamborghini for a few bucks, and when you hear that uh, young Spider-Man fans let black, a black widow spider bite them in hopes of gaining superpowers, and they were hospitalized, uh, three kids. Oh, this is in Bolivia. It wasn't in the U.S. It says, fair enough. Uh, Marvel-loving siblings aged 12, 10, and 8 found the spider while herding goats in uh, Chayanta, thinking 
it would give them superhero powers. They prodded it with a stick until it bit each of them in turn. Wow. I'm a huge... I was a huge Spider-Man fan as a, as a boy. My first comic was Spider-Man. Marvel Tales 166 was a reprint of Multiman Maze Spider-Man 28. Even when I was four, I realized that, hey, this is not real. I can't become Spider-Man. Right, yeah. I can't become <laughs> Spider-Man. Or, or else I would have tried. I would have let... We never had Black Widows. I would have let a Danny Longlegs... Uh, they used to bite you, Daddy Longlegs. Yeah, no, they well, did? Daddy Longlegs. They always say that they, they their teeth can't like get Aww. super far They're in adorable, there. Adorable, Daddy Longlegs. But, um, yeah, I would have let a Daddy Longlegs try to bite me if I knew it was going to be a thing. So, um, well, good thing they weren't seriously hurt. I just thought it was funny to see this because it's, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how you get to that point where where you think that oh, this is going to be a real thing. I'm becoming a superhero uh, there, and then if it's all three of them. I guess I'd figure out it would be a trio of superhero boys uh, fighting crime, I guess. A trio of superhero boys. I don't know. Did you ever have dreams of being uh, a superhero like that when you were a kid, Ian? No, I don't think I ever did. You knew it was fantasy? It's like, oh, this is not, you know, it's not real. I can't become the human torch and, and throw fireballs at my sister. I sometimes wish I had, like, superpowers. Like, when someone, like, is driving down the street and they scream something at you when you're walking. Okay. I always wish I had, like, a button that would make the spot of the road immediately in front of them go bra-boing and just launch them off. You'd rather just have telekinesis and lift up, like... Just immediate response to people being assholes. You you act like an asshole, just fucking launched right into the stratosphere. Wow. Okay. Teach people they're not so fucking funny. All right. Ian's, uh... Ian's turning into Carrie... Before I right now. Yeah. Was that more of a thing on the East Coast where random people would just yell at you driving? That happened to me when I was like a teenager. God, that happened 20s. all the fucking time on the East Coast. Is, is that more an East I Coast thing? I feel like it's probably a West Coast I thing, too. All, I, I, that didn't happen here. But no, I, I, I used to jog a lot in my 20s. I used to run. And you'd have assholes yell stuff. Mm. Not every time, but like once a week it would happen. You know? couple times you had girls hollering at you I'm like, but you know i was still thick but quick but losing the thickness gradually in my early 20s but um yeah you had assholes i was just trying to fuck with you you did so anyway uh and then we have a we don't have it there's a, a a book kickstarter i want to talk about for uh super kate so it's super kate a visual history of video game age uh 85 to 2001 this, this is a sequel to a, a first book that came out about 20 years ago that was, I think, like uh, mid-70s to, I guess, 84, where it's a, like a photography book, right? It's like a visual sort of history mm-hmm. uh, of photographs of arcade machines and, and, and things like that, um, and I guess consoles, and it just, it's, like, it's, 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 a, it's a photograph, a photography book, a digital, digital art book, but it, it looks like it's well done. Um, it's on Kickstarter right now. I already reached the goal um, with, 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 with a month ago almost it reached its goal so it's going to happen and uh, I don't know I, I just like the book I, I should probably pick up the original book before this podcast comes out because the price will go up because it's probably been out of print forever I should, I should probably pick it up yeah yeah I would say get it but yeah it looks like it's going to be a good one it's going to be 450 full color pages that's a sweet spot 450 pages I know that and uh, it's going to ship uh, fall 2021 to coincide with the 20th anniversary of the original Super K, which was released September 2001. Is that ever going to be 20 years next year? Holy shit. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot much more to say about it. I just I just like some of these art books. Uh, I own I own a couple of the... Uh, uh, I have like the, the Sega Master System Bitmap books one. Um, you know, so yeah, it's good. It's good to add uh, books to, a lot, to the library here. And to, oh, and there's a limited, limited 
edition where you get both volumes uh, as well. Maybe I'll just do that with with a slip uh, case there. Huh? Interesting. And our and our buddy uh, Chris Kohler is one of the contributors. Uh, Mike Mika um, and uh, a bunch of other folks on here that I'm not familiar with. Uh, but anyway, all right, check out that Kickstarter for sure. Anything else you want to jam into this somewhat short intro? Only 20 minutes? We've no. been like 35 minutes long. What's been going on? No, I'm good. You're good? All right. Uh, Ian, we we love we love our video game preservation news, don't we? We, we sure do. And uh, <laughs> uh, 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 It's uh, a bread and butter of the CU podcast. A big one uh, came out. Uh, a big one happened this weekend. Um, oh, the story behind it is 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 is, is really what the, I, I think the most impressive part of it. But a Days of Thunder, um, I don't even know if you want to say prototype, um, but basically a a a, a working uh, Days of Thunder game that is not the one that was released was a separate game. Yeah, was found in a practically complete form, um, assembled and released. So. Um, late programmer and designer uh, Chris Oberth uh, left a bunch of um, materials behind that people are going through. That he'd worked on or yes. been a part of? Um, that people are going through trying to preserve and find stuff on there. Um, basically, there was a mention of a uh, game in there. Uh, it, it was a disc um, labeled Nintendo Hot Rod Taxi uh, final. Um, the disc that came from it was a playable early proof of concept um, of what would be end up being uh, that version of, of Days of Thunder. It was just an early proof of concept that this was just a, a little car program. So um, the team located uh, a 21... This is from the uh, Ars Technica... Uh, recap. Recap. Uh, team located a 21 disc archive of a single hard drive. Um, five and a quarter, baby. All 21 discs could be read, amazingly. Um, and the first attempt pulled up a uh, file directory with hints of Days of Thunder. Um, they ended up having to use an era-appropriate computer to load the PC Tools uh, program. I hadn't heard the name PC Tools yeah, in forever. Yeah, uh, natively in MS-DOS, and then they had to extract all the files from the uh, the backup to find the data. Um, they didn't find a ROM. They found the actual source code, um, at which they had to compile uh, to be able to run. And then separately, it was, was like the, the art was separate. They, right? were, they were missing an art file. So basically, they initially had all the... They had the game, uh, all the code, but they didn't have the art file, um, the uh, quote is, I extracted every archive in every known format and every one of the drive backups, and I did the same for every other disk image that we'd managed to recover. I ran one more search over the whole thing, and there was a single hit on a 128 kilobyte binary file. Oh, yes. That they thought would fit. Yep, and that ended up being the graphics. Then they, comp- they could compile it and create the ROM? Yes. So uh, that's a very simplified version of the story, but it's kind of crazy they had to actually... Yeah, pull. They had, a, they had a, a, like backup. Is it's, it's how did, how would you explain computer backup? It's not like just a set of disks that have all of these files on them um, that you can go looking for. You, it's actually like an image. It's it's basically it's a disk image of an old hard drive. So you actually have to pull that off and put it onto something. Um, I believe to go through it. 
So uh, the game itself is very different. Um, it, well, well, what's what's interesting about this is that, like, it's not common where you think about. All right, we have a bunch of released NES games, but oh, here's a, an entirely different version of one yeah. that no one knew about before. That um, I mean, the more I'm reading it, maybe this is. I mean, maybe it is final. It certainly was very, very close to finished, if not 100% finished at this point. Um, yeah, and the different one, the uh, the Days of Thunder that ended up being put out by was it Konami? I think. Oh God, I should know that. I think it was Beam Software did the development on it. Uh, I'll look. It I'm up. just trying. To, I, I, well, it, I think it's Mindscape. It says Mindscape. Mindscape. Yeah, it is Mindscape. Because I was thinking of the white. I was thinking of the white box and the yeah. symbol is Mindscape. My bad. It is Mindscape. Yeah. Um, that was the same publisher. Yeah, it is. So Mindscape put out a very a completely different game one year after, same publisher when this one was done. Was Beam Software? Got it. Um, so this version has like a pseudo 3D qualifying lap. Um. And then the actual game itself is kind of an adorable... I love it. ...side-scrolling racing game. Because the release Days of Thunder is is an interesting, weird... You see the dashboard, but also see your car in third person, which I can't stand that, why they do both. So when you're first playing it, you're like, what's going on? Oh, you see your car doing it. And it's difficult, and it's more of a sim, obviously. This looks more like an adorable, almost like sort of arcade action like 2D going along sort of racing game like it's a lot simpler but but there's a cool um, little uh, pit stop mini game um, and, and you can obviously upgrade and repair your cars I, I watched the gameplay I'm like this looks like if, if this had come out instead this would appeal to a lot more I think gamers and just straight like sort of NASCAR or stock car you know fans that's yeah. the first thing I thought sure that's a game that we'd play like on the NES Marathon I ain't playing Days of Thunder like the one that came out ever. right you know, it's just too much for me. Um, oh, it's, they already updated the Wikipedia for the actual Days of Thunder game. It said, prior to the, the version development by Beam Software, a version of the game was in development by, at Mindscape by Chris Oberth. At some point, Oberth's version was canceled and the work transferred to Beam Software. And it already t- tells you about the re- recovery effort. That's pretty cool. It's already on there. Yeah. So I, I just think it's interesting that how many other developers do you think are out there that have projects like this that we don't know about? Because they don't... They don't either care about it. Ah, whatever. I worked on it when I was like, you know, 25 years ago. It's not important. Like, they don't think it's important, but we love this stuff. I've kind of said it before, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say it again. I don't think we're running out of these things to find. I think there's only going to be more, which is exciting. I, I think we're in an era where I think we're I, I, this could be like the, the golden era for finding lost projects from that time frame. I just think it's, it's interesting that, like, um, let's see, he passed away in 2012. Uh, even before that, you don't think someone was like, yeah, I got something laying around. Maybe you guys take a look at it. I guess now it, it wasn't seen as an important, because 10 years later, it's like now with, with game preservation seen, see, being seen as so much bigger, people realize, oh, that thing I worked on, oh, that's important to some people now. I'll go right. get it. And maybe, hopefully we're getting to that point where more, and more of the stuff is coming out. I mean, the UWC uh, wrestling game we just talked about in the past, what, six, seven months. And that game was, was, was just about finished. Yeah. So, yeah, inter- interesting times. Game preservation. You know, and, and um, oh, by the way, um, there, there's a um, there's a limited uh, amount of um, uh, carts and boxes and that they're going to be made. putting together yes. that are going, uh, and the proceeds are going to uh, his family. His family, but the ROM will be made family. available later yes. on. Ian, uh, Google Stadia is in the news again. Big bag of shit. So I lost, though. I think the bet. Didn't I say it had to be dead by June? 
Thank, and, and I admitted that it was a fairly um, June and July. It's been six months already. Yeah, I feel like it's like September. I knew that that was. Uh, well, you didn't lose the bet. It's not Prices Rights rules. Oh, that's right. You, you, that's can, right. you can go. You can go over. That's right. We can go over. <laughs> it's not Prices Rights rules. Um, and we're still in June. Actually, I mean, we're starting June. So you got, you got till what June thirtieth. So the Google Stadia. Uh, news is uh, not good. It has never been good since it's happened. No, there's never been um, any good Google Stadia. But according news. to the Take Two CEO Strauss Zelnick, he says the promise of Stadia was an expanded market, but it fell short of that ambition. They overpromised on what it could do. Um, wow. Take Two CEO Strauss Zelnick, I love that name, says that Google Stadia overpromised over on its technology and didn't seem to expand the market like it had hoped. In a talk at the Bernstein. Annual Strategic Decisions Conference. Wow, that's a conference name. Zelnick explained why the company had uh, supported the release of streaming, and he doesn't sound positive on the platform so far. This is from a GameSpot article. Streaming technology is upon us. The launch of Stadia has been slow. I think there was some overpromising on what the technology could deliver, and some some consumer disappointment as a result. Uh, anytime you broaden distribution, you potentially broaden your audience, which is why we supported the release of Stadia with three titles initially, and will continue to support high-quality streaming services as long as the business model makes sense. Over time, I believe streaming will work. The belief that stream- streaming was going to be transformative was based on a view that there were loads of people who really had an interest in interactive entertainment, really wanted to pay for it, but just didn't want to have a console. I'm not sure that turned out to be the case. Well, that was always the argument. Like, if you're gonna, if you mm-hmm. wanted to game have the cutting edge you know games you had a console as expensive as consoles can be at the end of the day they are very they're a very small portion of it you're buying games at $60 a yes. pop and most gamers are buying tons of games um yeah there are people who don't buy a lot but i i, I mean in granted it's parts of the circles i run in obviously my my view on this is going to be skewed a little bit because i you know i work in games i constantly talk games but um everyone i know has more games than they need to play uh so yes a, a a 500 even a 600 system like a playstation 3 is a lot but someone who wants to play video games isn't going to look at the price of a system and go you know what video games aren't for me anymore yes. they're not going to go look for that weird console alternative they're just going to suck it up and either buy a different system and change their brand loyalty or they're going to save up and buy it i don't think the price of a video game system has ever meaningfully impacted whether or not an adult plays games. They're going to find a way to do it one way or another. This is this is like a product paradox, Google Stadia. Quibi, like something like Quibi is just a bad idea. Like that's just a sure. bad idea. This is a product paradox because if you can afford the internet service to, to really support Stadia, you can afford the, just right. to buy the console. Sure. If you cannot afford a, a $300, $400 console, there's no way in hell you can support uh pay to support the internet for something like stadia that's an even better point it doesn't make any sense at all and it, the fact that everyone like could see that from the start except for google again is like it's a, it, it's a product with no audience and again we're seeing this more and more but this is just this could be the worst one this could be worse than quibi it could be i don't know like it, it, it's neck and neck about which is the a, a worse idea i think i think uh, the idea of a streaming service is i i, I don't think that that's worse than Quibi by any means. I think in a perfect world, something like Google Stadia that works would be welcome, but we're just not at that point yet. We're not. Um, Quibi is something that exists for absolutely no fucking reason. There's no reason for a mobile-only video service to exist. That's, That's fucking dumb. Ten minutes or less. 
Uh, that's dumb. But sure, there's there's something to be said about having you know not having to deal with the hardware and stuff like that. There absolutely is. We're just not at that point, sure. and I don't think we will be a year from now. I don't think we will be five years from We're now. We're not at Star Trek uh, holodeck technology yet. Like once you're there, like you can just do whatever you want. That's like okay, yeah, we don't need the consoles anymore. Um, Strauss also emphasized. Wouldn't the holodeck kind of be a console in and of itself? You can make your own games. That's right. That's the end game. Or, or Quark's Hollow Sweep and catch up on Deep Space Nine. And Quark versus Odo is the best. Best buddy cop film ever. Uh, Quark and Odo. Um, he emphasized that subscription models and streaming are two different things that don't necessarily connect. Good point. Yeah. You can have a subscription model without streaming, as in Game Pass, or streaming without a subscription, like Stadia. That's that's a good point. Like, the, the, we're, well, that's what I always hated about people saying it's Netflix, but it's it's not because you have to buy everything you individually. Buy those new games you, anyway. You can't use these. You can't. Yeah, streaming in and of itself is a, probably a term that is it's it's used too widely now. It doesn't it doesn't mean that when you say this is a streaming service, it doesn't mean the same thing. Yeah, that's a delivery board. system. That's not. Yeah, streaming is a yeah. delivery method, not yeah. the service itself. Yeah. Um, so that's the whole point. Again, it's like when to Ian's point. Like, yeah, you get if you sign up for the you know Stadia Pro, you get yeah you get some free games. But if I want to get Red Dead Redemption two, and pay sixty bucks for it, I think that I probably already had the money for the Xbox One, or or PS or PS Four. Like that was, and I'm not trying to make light of financial issues, but really, I, I, it, it's people are people. As much as I say people are dumb, and as much as people upset me every day, um, people are also smart enough with their money to look at something and go, "Sure, I can." I mean, do this. Maybe there's a areas of the country where it's like low income areas that have free Google Fiber. Maybe there are ones out there that I don't know about, so that like you don't have to worry about it. Then you could potentially get this, but that's not most of the country. Sure. Like I'm paying, uh, my internet is fiber optic, and I'm paying over a hundred bucks a month because it's part of w- w- what's done here, obviously. So for me, maybe that's a possibility. But most most families can't afford that sort of uh, internet over a hundred bucks. I think it's like a hundred and twenty in order to. You know, most people would be like, okay, I want the thirty dollar plan or the twenty dollar plan, and that can't support Stadia. That's the point. Sure, you know. So anyway, anything else to say? No. I, th- I think Strauss Zelnick is going to be my... If I ever go on the run, that'll be my alias. <laughs> um, all right. Ian! Yeah. Um, God, Atari. Atari, Atari. If I had known this would happen, uh, I think I would have raised capital to buy the rights to Atari myself. All these things. So, uh, there was there was a YouTube video put out by someone reviewing a product. I got to find it. It was called... It was the Atari Pie Kit. I thought it was a joke at first. I thought it was like a Photoshop... But if you go to the microcenter.com, uh, you could buy the microcenter Atari pie kit for 99.99. This is a retro pie kit that comes with um comes a, with a PS4 style a knockoff PS2 controller. Yeah, let's, not, let's, controller. Let's, yeah, not, let's not give it too much not, credit. It's a PS2 knockoff controller. You get a 32 gig micro SD card and you get a retro pie b- a box with a like woodish finish on the top and the Atari logo, and and it looks like fake fake like ribbed finish on the top. It looks like with the Atari logo, mm-hmm. and you get over a hundred Atari games included on this retro pie. Um, the the item description: Ian, drive back into the world of Atari with this Raspberry Pi powered Atari retro gaming kit. Includes everything you need to get started, including USB gamepad. 
there you could get micro SD with game downloaded utility can, containing 100 plus licensed Atari games, power supply, HDMI custom cable, uh, do it yourself Atari Pi case, uh, Raspberry Pi 3B plus, and Star Guide. Relive your old favorites such as Asteroids, Centipede, Warlords, and more. All three of those games. <clears throat> Use use a controller that is not a D pad. I, hey, good point. Ian. I didn't think about that. I You're have, right. I have. I. I. They all use a spinner type of I, thing. I fucking. Okay. I fucking hate. My God. So my problem with this, sure, Atari. Of course, they're going to go make their money with the retro pie kits. But I hate. Oh, they're that, just whoring out their name. Yes. I, but I hate so much that the games that are always like brought up with Atari and stuff like that are always games that play like absolute fucking dog shit with a D-pad. Centipede needs a trackball. Asteroids, sure you can, but the original setup is five buttons. Sure. Is it six buttons? And Warlords uses a fucking spinner. Oh, but what about Missile Command? Another Atari great. A fucking trackball. Like everything good. Breakout. A spinner. Yeah. Everything good that Atari ever did uses a, a different fucking controller. Yeah. Almost none of them use a joystick. Um, Asteroids, though, you can do with the cross. You can do Sure, you can. But you most can. of their other shit that's worth playing, no. you cannot. No. I mean, I guess you can use an analog. In, in lieu of a trackball and kind of get it close, but it's not the same as a trackball. It upsets me it's not. so much. Wow. They don't even play remotely the same. Does this, does this, does this upset you as much as Asteroids and, and Denny? No, I mean, no. that's... Uh, that was just silly. That was just silly. That was the beginning. That was like the innocent times of innocent this stuff. Times. Was, and now it's just out of control. What's what's great about this, Ian, and um, uh, who I guess what, is Micro Center the, the manufacturer of this? They're the ones that are making this? I'm not familiar with Micro Center at all. Neither am I. And their products. Um, I like their logo, though. It's very 1989. Um, who, like who's actually on the box of this? Like who's actually like, like who? Oh, you what, oh, the controller says you oh, you allows retro gaming. V- Vilros retro. Vilros. Gaming. Okay, so they're the ones producing this. Micro Center's not producing. They're just doing. It. So they got to go to Atari and say, Atari, this is our plan. This is our product. We want to license your name and your games for this. Atari has to give their okay before they cash that check, obviously. But Atari has to realize that those hundred games that they are offering aren't even a fucking megabyte of space. Those hundred Atari, old-ass Atari games. So they know that this company that's offering you a 32-gig uh, card... I'm not saying I'm not p- trying to say, well, you can't do this. But I'm just saying, this is Atari getting in bed with a device that they have to know is being used for game piracy. They have to. It's a 32-gig card. You don't need that for Atari games. Atari games fit on... Fit on uh, like I said, like like a megabyte, like a three and a half floppy. Benefit of the doubt, devil's advocate here. Be At this point, I feel like thirty-two gigabyte is probably just about the standard common, and it's what's easiest to get to their own fucking. Com- I mean, at some point, the fact that piracy can be done on something, I, I don't think it really means it's necessarily getting in bed with it. Um, they don't care though. They, no, they don't care. They don't. That's give the a point. Shit. I mean, they're they're they don't entitled, care they're, they're, they're console. This, yeah, the sandbox, you know, I mean, that's going to be... Casino. Pir- pirates, yeah, exactly. Cryptocurrency. They don't care what their name's attached to. Love hotels. <laughs> so that's what I said. Like, if, if you if you brought this to me five, six years ago, I would have been like, well, this is a weird idea for Atari. Now it's like, all bets are off. We just want to make our name, uh, you know, the few people that in France that are running the company. We don't care what we license the name to. We don't give a shit. We're whores. We're whores. We don't care. 
We'll put our name in anything. Doesn't matter. Like you said Love Hotel, Atari Love Hotel. Yeah. Well, look at the hotel. Maybe let's convert it to that. Um, I don't even know if 100 bucks is competitive or not for this. I have no idea what, what, what the, what the r- Raspberry Retro Pie sort of setups go for. My gut tells me it's a little bit high. I don't know. Fred Chesney's entire wardrobe is just fucking Atari-branded, like, banana hammocks. Just walks around. Fucking... Yeah, look what I got, huh? Lighting cigars with his $100. I'm the Atari guy. I'm the Atari guy. I don't know, but... Me, me, Freddy, Mr. Atari Chesney. But, like, you don't see... Sega doing stuff like this. Obviously, Nintendo's not doing stuff like this. Um, so I, Atari's again. Sega was not as good with their name ten years ago. Would they have done something like this? Back no, then? but they. But I mean, some of those like at games and plug and plays that they were doing for a while were pretty garbage. Yeah, but that's it's, not, it's, it's, but it's that's, different. But I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just saying we can't point to Sega as always a bastion of what to do with their fucking. Well, name. But, but that's more that's more a judgment on at games because then you can say, well, Namco gave their games to, to at games and yeah, Namco also is kind of a whore. As much as I love Namco, they oh, Ian. they they really oh, no. they whore it out too. They whore out pack good. They whore out. Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man too much? Yeah. Sorry, Miss Pac-Man, lady luck. Uh, right there. Can bring that to the Atari... Bring that to the Atari Casino. My little lady luck, Miss Pac-Man. Play the yeah. slots. Yeah. Uh, there. <laughs> um, that, so anyway, that's it. I don't know what's going on with the Atari BCS. I haven't seen the latest update. Maybe I'll look right now real quickly while, while we wrap this up to see what, what's going on. It's on the, on the Indiegogo, if there's been an update on there. Because uh, this has to be in production right now anyway. Oh, there was... Oh! Oh! Okay! May 29th, there was just a, there was just an update. This uh-huh. is expanded, expanded segment. Hello, backers. We hope that each of you, your families, and your friends are staying safe and healthy during the quarantine. The unusual, this unusual period has presented many challenges, but also afforded some opportunities for the Atari VCS team to capitalize on the extra time that comes with staying put. Oh, you guys. <laughs> May 30th, 2020 marks the two-year anniversary of the Atari VCS campaign and you go why would you bold that and point that out to people that this is way behind Behind schedule schedule. yeah it's a year and a half behind schedule why would you point that out um despite ongoing travel restrictions we continue working closely with our manufacturing partners to to finalize the production and delivery of the Atari BCS system and accessories this year the team is spending more time than ever on transcontinental video conferences has nothing to do with travel restrictions like you're just Zooming, doing Zoom meetings with the production right. team. Like, don't even bring up travel restrictions. You're not going to the factories. I'm guessing you're in not, your you hammocks. You weren't going to do that anyway. <laughs> in your banana hammocks. In your banana hammocks. <laughs> um, the first batch of 500 Atari BCS have has made steady progress to completion, with some key discoveries along the way that have allowed the teams to further refine the production processes. You're, you're just admitting that, like, it's not going smoothly. smoothly. It's not going smoothly. It's not at all going smoothly. You can't say these things, Fred. What's going on, Fred? Um, Atari VCS team members and a closed test group have been putting the hardware and software through their paces over the past several weeks. Head over to our newest Atari blog on Medium to read our latest update. Why don't you just put the update there? Why don't you just do that here? And that was on May 29th as well about about them testing uh, the VCS uh, there. Oh, I didn't know that. Hey, usually people are good at pointing out the new uh, VCS updates to us. I didn't this time on, on the on the CU podcast topics trend. Probably because I mean, it's just not exciting anymore. It's just not. It's it's it's, nothing, it's, it's, I mean, it's a it's a slow dribble at this point. Yes, it's it's not it's not just talking about how well you know our first batch of of uh of parts looks like shit, and, and here's how we discover it is with our little you know measurements. 
Um, anyway. Uh, what What is this about? There were stranded units that they rescued in New York City? There were stranded Atari VCS units? What the hell? Anyway, okay. This is a weird thing going on. They're, they're, they're test playing some things on, on here. There's lots of videos of them testing Borderlands 2 on here, so it's running that. Uh, uh, basketball Classics uh, game there. Hey, they're testing out that game. The game that we're in. <laughs> there's a video of it. I was like, yeah, that sounds familiar. They're testing it. It's a darn good game. Uh, there you go. It's a good game. I mean, Ian, I think I'm a good rebounder in the game. I think Ian's a good passer, I'm, I believe. I don't think I have any good stats. Oh, I, you know, I specifically <laughs> asked for, like, no good stats. <laughs> there's a, check, check out Basketball Classics on Steam. There's a YouTuber team on there that me and Ian, uh, uh, you can unlock. Anyway, so that's it. So um, the VCS, we'll, we'll, we'll check it back in on, and we'll see uh, what, what the next... Uh, product that Atari whores the name out to uh, in the future. All right, Ian, we have a, we have a Patreon, Ian. Don't we have a Patreon? We do. It's patreon.com slash CU podcast. And uh, we have a writing that Ian will hopefully do. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I should try to get one done today. Sorry, I've been in a shitload of fucking pain, and I'm trying not to bitch about it today, but yeah, I didn't get it right. That's, that's okay, Ian. We, we love you. You get you get those spike <clears throat> massages to make it feel better. Yeah, yeah. He's just needing the biscuits. <laughs> just needing the biscuits. <laughs> yeah, just fucking working my. But we have a weekly we, we have a weekly Patreon poll. We do to vote on in third place. Should YouTubers and brands stick to video games and not get political? Seventeen percent. Because I think people really realize that that's a dumb thing. Yes. to think. Uh, in second place, what were your favorite book and book series growing up? Growing up or recently? Thirty uh, percent. And in first place. Does Ian recommend working at a game store? Wow, this is like a, a backdoor Tales from the Game Store, almost. Tales <laughs> from the Game Store. So, how, how would I put this? Um... <laughs> Someone kind of mentioned it uh, the other day, you know, brought it up on Twitter, would I recommend working at a game store? Uh, and I had, um, someone came in and um, they were looking at systems. They were asking about like what the Retron does. Retron 5? Retron HD. Just the, the, the regular one? The cheapy little, yeah, plug-in NES. And I was explaining it to them, and they're like, oh, so this hooks up to, you know, uh, flat-screen TVs. I think they actually said, like, a modern TV. And I was like, yes, yeah, it does. Uh, and I was like, it uses HDMI. And the guy goes, doesn't use the suction cups? I go, excuse me? And he goes, doesn't use the suction cups? What? And I was like, no, not, not that I'm aware of. And I, I just, I left it at that. Uh, and I posted about it and, you know, uh, you know, people had fun with it online. Um, and the one guy was like, man, I feel like I want to go back to working in a video game store sometimes when I read your tweets. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, no, no, you don't. Um, the only thing I can think of is that the person thought the, like the RCA cables or a suction what cup? looked like little suction cups, I guess. Wow. That that's the, the back. That's speaking of Ian playing devil's advocate. I, I wouldn't even think of that. Well, someone also was like, and I, I had actually thought that someone was like, well, maybe they were trying to joke with you, like, hook up to a flat screen TV with suction cups. 
And I was like, sure, but I don't think they actually said flat, like, because the way I'd written it online, I was like, you know, they said, does this hook up to a flat screen TV? But I, I'm fairly certain what they said was, does this hook up to a modern TV? Or okay. an HD TV. I don't think they actually said flat screen. So that wouldn't even work as a joke then. And the person didn't look at me like they were joking. They were just like, doesn't use the suction cups? And I'm like, no. Huh? The suction cups? No. Oh, okay. Like, there was no joking in the person's voice whatsoever. So, anyways. Um, do I recommend working in a video game store? Here's what I would say about this question. Anytime you ask it to someone who has a job that appears to be fun or a good okay. time. Um, always try to work in something that you love doing. But remember that it's it's fucking work. It's not like it's not fun in games. Yeah, there are going to be days where you know, you sit there at work and you're going to have great conversations with people and it's awesome. And someone's going to walk in and you're going to find yourself, you know, 45 minutes later in one of the, you know, deepest conversations about, you know, 2D shooters you've had in two years. And that's a good time. But a lot of the times it's just customer service and customer service is going to be the same across the board. Doesn't matter where you're at. People buy things. Video games are a niche hobby, yes, but they have gotten less and less so over the years. And the reason I bring that up is because that means... Every person, every type of person is going to come through your store. It's not going to be just people that you think you see eye to eye with. Um, and yeah, there are days where it doesn't feel like I'm working in a video game store at all. I, you know, you could change it with Target or a restaurant. Like it just feels like you're doing a, a customer service job. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, if you like books, working in a bookstore is probably going to be a lot of fun. If you like video games, working in a game shop is probably going to have a lot of good moments for you. I like flowers. I liked working in a florist, but being in a florist was not always, no pun intended, was not always roses. Um, there are... Well, people are the same cross... That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And especially as, like I said, hobbies like video games and things like that gain a broader appeal and wider acceptance... The sort of audio you're dealing with the same exact people you'd see anywhere else you'd work. You yeah, know, there's there's nothing particularly it's, special. It's the same customer service problems. It doesn't feel like a club. It's not just people like I said that you want to deal with. Um, and let's not forget that we've also seen that video games. You know, over the past few years, we've seen that. You know, uh, uh, it's not. How do I? How what am I trying to say? I think when we were growing up, we all kind of thought, oh, we like video games, you like video games, and we must share a lot in common. That's not true anymore. Oh, yes. That's well, not true That anymore. was always a weird thing that... Uh, that, that changed. Yes. Maybe that's like the initial spark of connection between someone. Oh, we both like collecting trains, model trains. Or we both like reading comic books. But then you realize that people are still entirely different. Their hobbies don't necessarily connect you. Right. That's why I always like would, when whenever... Um, God, I'm talking about like you know dating sites from 15 years ago that I was on. So I was like, well, I, what the for the first question was was always something like, well, what music do you like listening to? That doesn't even con it doesn't necessarily connect you to someone. No, if you like the same music, if you like uh, hip hop and I do, or you like classical and I do, or that doesn't mean we're going to get along necessarily. We can still think each other's an asshole, and the same thing with this, you know. 
Vonnie somehow loves me, but 90% of the shit on my record shelf is not something that I'd force her to listen to. <laughs> so, 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 so that's the opposite. So you, there's no interest uh, when it comes to music. That's connected. She likes a lot of it, but I'm just saying like a lot of this. Yeah. Like something like that does not, doesn't mean anything. Doesn't that, mean anything? That, that's why if people, you want to know why there's such a high di- divorce rate these days is because people put too much fucking weight on stuff. Like we like the same music and the same sort of comedy and the same food. It's like, yeah, but how do you people connect as fucking people? That's more about having sort of a common morals and you know aspirations and, and lifestyle more so than necessarily... We all have to like 100% of the same things. That never happens. No, and that's going to lead to your relationship falling the fuck apart quicker than anything. Because, God, people need space. You can't share all the same hobbies with someone. My ex liked video games, but she's like, oh, yeah, you know, we had a ColecoVision. And, you know, we had a, I think we, you know, we had Nintendo, but, like, she didn't give a shit about my retro game collection. And I respected that. Because most, most sane people wouldn't want to care about that, you know? Right. It's just like, okay, this is the thing you like to do. You know, you recognize that someone likes something, you can still value it, but you may not care about it to the same extent. And that's that's a healthy and uh, and normal thing, obviously. Um, real quick, now we're talking about g- game stores, not to bring it uh, bring it down a little bit. Um, there's a, there's a uh, GoFundMe right now for Voltage Video Games in Syracuse. It's doing very well um, since since there was uh, looters and, and rioters that got in there and, and vandalized it. Uh, if you want to support them, uh, it's Mike up in Syracuse. Great guy. Great store. They're great for the community. Uh, you don't have to. But uh, check out that GoFundMe uh, if you want to. Uh, and I also, unfortunately, got early word that the um, New York City um, um, retro game store, I believe it's 8-bit and up, uh, was also vandalized. And they're the ones that are actually featured and not for uh, resale. Mm. Uh, so hopefully that GoFundMe goes up for them. Um and then hopefully they could uh, they can get back opened up uh, real soon there. So that, the last last thing I want to say about working any retail, because I did as well. I, I started uh, in working in um, supermarket, and then obviously I I graduated into Suncoast Motion Picture Company. Mm. Is that people, no matter what you do, will take out their their uh, the bitterness of their lives. They will take it out on you as much as they can. Uh, as a retail worker, like that happens to you, that happened to me. I would get people that would call me stupid uh, because their ten cent coupon wouldn't reg- like go through on the register. Like that was something that would happen when you're 16 years old and making 505 an hour. Like that's something that would happen to you, like regularly. Like I'm not saying like every customer, but like once a day when you're when you're a cashier, you're ringing up a hundred people a day over like six seven eight hours at least like if it's if it's a busy day and you're gonna get someone that you encounter that you don't want to obviously so yeah retail sucks Ian. sorry about that yeah, it's a real bag of boners <clears throat> so anyway so thanks for giving the perspective on, on that um any last thoughts or no no i'm good you're good all right um and we have a q a we do on the cu podcast this is from who's asking uh, Joshua Risner seventy six. Hi, Joshua Risner seventy six. <laughs> is he the seventy six one that has existed, or he was born in seventy six? Good question. Or he likes the spirit of seventy six. My sister was born in seventy six. Will the pandemic start a sell off of collections? Um, 
No, I don't think so. I think, uh, at least not right now. Um, we saw a lot of, once Luna reopened again, we saw a decent sell-off of, um, I don't know, stuff that could make, like, a quick buck, you know, um, controllers, extra controllers, stuff like that. Some newer games came in. There were people who wanted to sell systems and things like that and get some money, you know, uh, Switches, PS4s, um, but I, uh, nothing like whole collections, and I think there's a couple of reasons why. Um, despite how some people are overreacting in terms of the lockdown, acting like, uh, you know, not being able to go out for two months is the end of the world, we're not quite in a situation yet where I think a lot of people are truly... Cash desperate? Cash desperate. Yes, exactly. And I think to uh, get rid of a whole collection, uh, you either have to be cash desperate or you have to just be getting out of the hobby entirely. Um, Most people don't just get rid of... uh, You know, people, if they need money, they'll find things here and there, rarities, but I don't think they're going to get rid of whole collections. Especially, like, and this is a collection of, of, of items, you know, video game collections are things that people can actively use right now when going out and being social is something that is, you know, uh, you're supposed to do with caution or not at all. Um, you know, people will actually hopefully play their video games. Second thing is uh, the peop- most of the people who have big video game collections these days, um, especially like the really big ones, at least when I think about it, they're probably people who are slightly more financially comfortable. Um, well, if you have a gigantic collection like this, I, you know, I bought most of these games for pennies in the dollar. Right, exactly. So it's like, you don't see the money anymore. It's not like I bought this stuff in the past few years. Like a lot of those collectors that got in, you know, in 2012, 13, they got a whole NES collection within two years and just spent through the nose. This is all not, you, I don't see the value in, in these things because I bought it so long ago. It doesn't affect me as much. It's so removed uh, from it in general. Sure. So, um, I expect to see lots of, like I said, like systems come in, one-off items and things to keep coming in. Um, have you seen? Have you seen like someone just bringing like a five hundred dollar item out of the blue? Like, oh, I want to sell like my Panzer Dragoon Saga, you know? No, not yet. But I, like I said, PS4s and stuff like that have come in. Things that'll get people, you know, more than a hundred bucks. Have switches come in at all? Uh, no, not really. So people are holding on to that. Yeah. They know that they can get a premium. Yeah, they know they can get a premium for it. And if one came in, we'd probably pay more than normal for it as well, you know, at this point. Because now you, you, you used ones are going for like 400 for like a used one. Like, it's it's insane. Yeah. It's yeah. nuts. I was thinking, oh, maybe if I'm not, you know, maybe if I'm not really using mine right now, I can sell mine and then buy a Switch Lite for 200 But now I'll just keep it. It's fine. So the weird thing is, is I don't actually think that if this were to continue on and if, say, the you know coronavirus thing were to worsen in a year's time, I still don't know that we would necessarily see a, lo- a huge amount of well, collection selling off because at that point, people aren't going to be buying that stuff. I, I just It's one of those weird situations where I don't think selling off the collection would ever solve anyone's current issues necessarily. Well, obviously there's an issue of when ev- if everyone tries to drop their collections at once... It hurts the overall market price because if, if you have like uh, 10 Sega Buster Douglas boxings hit uh, at the same time for Master System, the price is going to go down because you're going to see, oh, there's, there's more of these right. than I thought. Oh, oh, all of a sudden there's there's 60 little Samsons on eBay at the same time instead of only five. Um, it hurts sort of like, quote unquote, the integrity of the market at that point when you know people are getting out. You know, it's not like stocks where you immediately sell it, the prices go down immediately, immediately. 
um, you, you see it in front of your eyes. And so you're not going to get your maximum value, obviously, if, if everyone's selling at the same time. But I don't know how many, if everyone started selling at once, how many new collectors would be able to jump in in order to buy all that stuff up unless there were speculators saying, oh, wow, I'm going to buy low right now and sell high later. It's, it's a weird thing when there's a mass sell-off. When there's a mass sell-off, it usually doesn't recover when there's like when it's a when it's a commodity like that in my opinion right, right. it's never like wow that stuff's going for only 25 percent of the value it's not going to come back up to 100 percent. no you've already damaged the market you've already shown that there's less interest in this by selling it all off it, it's a it's a uh it's a precarious sort of game uh you play with that which we're going to probably see come up more and more with the uh with the water graded atari 2600 games uh, because you're going to find out really quick um, if everyone starts to rush to put them on that wow there's a lot of these uh, uh, games coming out there that people have laying around that are unopened and all of a sudden these aren't worth as much so the more of those come out you're just going to see the value drop more and more and more as people realize that hey there's a lot of adventures that aren't open there's a lot you know what I mean so you, you can't do that with, with any sort of, any sort of uh, item like that um, you have to either go really slowly and sort of do it piecemeal or you do it quality behind the scenes, or I don't know. I also don't know about, we never really spoke about, you know, how many of these retro game stores aren't going to be able to come back after all this. We never really addressed that directly. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to be back and open and, you know, uh, selling, you know, but uh, to act like, you know, things are going to be dicey for every business for the next couple of months. Like, yeah. I guess it depends on your area. Like, if you were, say... It's, it's it's kind of tough to tell because obviously some places you know rents a lot cheaper than others, but maybe you have less customers to begin with. So uh, yeah, there's going to be stores that don't recover. Retro game stores, who knows? Yeah, I mean it was already going, it was already dwindling a little bit uh, the past few years. We saw, but we probably saw the peak like three, four years ago. I'd say in the in the total number, um, but you know I don't know. I, I don't hear of a lot of new uh, retro game stores being opened. We we recommend not to do it. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. Don't don't do that. So anyway, well, anyway, that's our uh, that was our uh, our Q and A there. Thanks thanks for that. I'm gonna go home and get just obliteratedly stoned and try to sleep. That's what I'm gonna do. Does that help more than the CBD? Getting stoned? It it yeah. It's it works great. I just use a combination of the CBD and THC. I'm I'm getting fucking sick of being high. To be honest with you, but it's. The only thing that works. You, right got, you got a CBD with me. Drop a CBD. Watch some Quark and Odo on Deep Space Nine. I fall. I fall asleep in like ten minutes. It's great. Falling. It's so easy to fall asleep to Star Trek because a lot of the time they're always calm when they speak. They're never really yelling. And you, you hear Cisco's calm, deep, you know, bass voice. Maybe I'll throw then, Deep Space Nine on when I go. But then home. you always have the, 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 that hum, like the Star Trek hum, hum. Mm-hmm. and that just puts that puts me out. Like that puts me out. Even I'm saying, yeah, I'm not that tired. I put my head. I'm like asleep in ten. That's minutes. all I do with my synthesizers is make gentle hums that I can listen to. And you got you need an Ian. Fall you need an too. Ian like Calm app. There you go, Ian. Yeah, you, like that would make some money. So there's some Ian tunes right there. Well, this is the shortest podcast in a while. Wow, uh, at, yeah. an hour. Um, how many topics did we have here? We had intro. One, two, three, four. It was, it was the same amount of topics as last week. We just didn't have like the long ass intro here. So. We did our twenty minute. We talked for twenty minutes about um, George Floyd as well. So yeah, well, let's, well, if you add that to it, but that's separate. So I, yeah, I suppose. So all right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for for tuning in. Uh, things eventually get better. Yeah, out there they do. I'll write this week. I promise. Today or tomorrow. 
All right, Ian. I'll give you a free CBD if you promise to do that. I've got CBD in my bag. You got the gummies? I got blue raspberry chews. It's like a gummy, basically, consistency? Uh, it's like a Sour Patch Kid consistency, but big. Oh, okay. Is it, is it a lot of milligrams in that? Yeah. Okay, so that's like extra strength. I, I'm still on half a gummy. Half a gummy is fine. <sighs> or a full. Can't do two again. Two, I don't wake up. Two, I do not <laughs> wake up from two. Two is like I, I'm hung over the, the next morning when I wake up. Mm, these, are, these are 25 milligram CBD, 3 milligram THC, and I probably take like three to four a day. Oh, they have the THC as well? So, so I just a it. little bit, just a tiny bit, but I find CBD works best with a little THC. In it, it's, it's a good little combo with a little bit. Kicks it in. Okay. Activates it. It's like adding a pinch of salt to like your cookies. You need the... You okay, need that's the or, or in your or your hot cocoa, you put a little yeah. pinch in. Yeah, it's it, true. it just makes it. It just makes the uh, flavors come alive. It's delicious. Yeah, it makes everything come alive. <laughs> All right, that's Ian. That's me. I'm Pat. We will talk to you next week.